It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 100, King David and Mephibosheth, Matthew twenty-five thirty-four. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you in a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. In this episode, we discuss the account of King David and Mephibosheth, and King David does it again and acts way ahead of his time by showing mercy and compassion, honor and grace that astounds us even today. At the moment, our timeline is around 1000 BC, if we stick with these dates, and Israel has reached a physical power it's never experienced before. And if you like round, even numbers, it's pretty cool to consider Israel arrives at Abraham's promise at the round number of 1000 BC, 1000 years before Christ. Pretty cool, huh? So before we get to Mephibosheth, we have to talk about David's heart. Alright, so David's got a lot of idle time now. He's conquered all of his enemies. He's got a palace, a new capital, and hordes of captured gold. He's got at least seven wives at this point, including Michael. And he hasn't married Bathsheba yet, which will make the minimum number of David's wives up to about eight wives. We'll also learn later he had ten concubines. So David's getting militarily lazy and enjoying his peace on every side with the spoils of life. There's an old adage that reads, idle hands are the devil's workshop. The world is in David's hands and whatever David sees, he gets. And this seems to be something that gets into David's head. He satisfies his lust with wives and concubines, but that's the thing about lust. It never satisfies. It can never be totally quenched. But we're gonna have to leave lust here. Now that we've covered this, just so that we're not surprised later, we move on to the account of Mephibosheth. The verse from the beginning of the episode, which some call the least of these parable, shows the eternal reward for caring for the least of society and how it touches the heart of God. God gives great value to all his creation, which includes the orphans and widows, homeless and handicapped, and even the unclean or lepers of society. Basically, God loves all of mankind, 
And it is his kindness that brings us to repentance, whether it is the broken or the proud, the rich or the poor, or the hurting or the victorious. He loves all of us. David comes off his high watermark of territorial expansion and tabernacle experience, temporarily ignoring lust, pride rising in his heart, entitlement and self-luxury, and he shows abounding mercy and love when he declares these words. 2 Samuel 9 David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Alright, so you got to picture this. Think about the beginnings of this from the God's perspective. Who shall I show kindness to? Is there anyone that I should show kindness to? Isn't this a picture of our God? The God of cattle on a thousand hills. But he's looking for anyone to show kindness to. Who desires to pour out his mercy and character to anyone he chooses. So David summoned Ziba, the servant of what is left of Saul's estate. And he asked him, who remains of the house of Saul? And he learns that Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth, who was lame in both feet, and he summons him. So this Mephibosheth gets a summons from the king, and you've got to think he tells his mother, his wife, his family, and his son goodbye, and tells them that he probably will not survive the day because the popular custom of eastern warlords was to kill any threats to their reign including any surviving heirs of the previous king. So in almost chivalric fashion, Mephibosheth doesn't resist as he's brought before King David. Here's a man stained by the blood of his family with dysfunctional legs, rejected by society, stained by inequity. Mephibosheth went to face the judgment of the king. Here's the account. 2 Samuel 9, 6. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant, that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and to bring in their crops, so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were the servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. So something that's really cool about this is the name Mephibosheth actually means exterminating the idol. What a crazy name. So consider this. What idol is David putting to death by showing kindness to Mephibosheth? I wasn't sure, so I looked up basically what's the opposite of mercy, because David's showing mercy and grace, and it's judgment or justice. Simply put, 
You get pulled over for a speeding ticket, and if the police officer gives you a ticket, you face justice when you receive a ticket. But if he lets you go on a warning only, you received mercy. Well, David was not only granting Mephibosheth mercy, but going further by honoring him and even treating him like family. In many ways, David was putting to death old traditions and religious duties and man's justice with mercy and grace. Again, David was going way beyond the old covenant of cause and effect in religious duties and demonstrating a greater covenant of mercy, grace, relationship, and honor. He and his actions are symbolically fulfilling the old covenant and showing the new covenant that was available to believers, at least in this veilless generation. Another unbelievable revelation of the heart of God toward his people through King David over one millennium ahead of time. To conclude this episode, a message to kings. We as sinners saved by grace are like Mephibosheth. Think with me here. Mephibosheth went to bed one night, a rejected, despised, handicapped grandson of a failed and despised king. But in a single day, he received a summons from a greater authority in court. Terrified for his life and assuming he'd be dead by nightfall, he wrote his last words and told his family goodbye. He embarked to plead for his life and in the face of the king, Mephibosheth knelt low to the ground and pleaded for mercy. Instead of man's justice and death for generations of inequity, Mephibosheth was granted a hand, invited in to sip and dine with the king. Though deserving of death, he was granted life and life more abundantly. To the king that he believed would put him to death for the deeds of his family, he was granted recovery of all that was lost and friendship with the king. Not only was he granted life, but life more abundantly, and grace upon grace and greater grace that he could have ever imagined. For soon after, he was sitting with and listening to his king speak of his father, his best friend, and his many exploits and the life and great legacy that he came from. Mephibosheth would learn the ways of the king and find in him the father that he lost. For that is the Christian walk, that God fills in all the blanks and all the hurts and all the family dysfunction was eradicated at the throne of grace. For grace is defined as the free and unmerited favor of God. And this Mephibosheth received grace, and so do you and I as we come to the throne of grace. Hope you enjoyed this episode and a message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as we begin our coverage of a renewed international conflict with the Eastern and Northern nations, and David faces dark forces outside as well as inside his kingdom. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com, and leave a comment or question, or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com. <laughs>